Hey everybody, and welcome back to Optimal You. It's been years, <laughs> years, um, but excited to get a relaunch and a revamp here uh, at the end of 2021 going into 2022. Some exciting stuff. We've got awesome guest in-house today uh, with us. Close friend, good friend, grew up with him. I've known this guy for more than 20 years, Tanner Godfrey. He's been on the show before. We've got him in-house today to talk about um, some upcoming things in his life and some things that have been going on in the past few months. Also, in-house, we've got his brother, Gavin Godfrey. Gavin has also been on the show, both returning guests. Love to have them here. Uh, Gavin has toured with Nitro Circus in the past. He was the first human on earth to do a triple backflip on a mountain bike, stick it, land it. In his words, he's a bad MFer. <laughs> so excited to have both of them here today. With today's episode, Unique, uh, I'm going to give the driving reins to Gavin. I'm going to help uh, as we chat with Tanner and talk about some of the things that have been going on in his life recently. Um, but, Gavin, Start us off here. Joe, that was garage talk when I was saying to call me a bad MF. But <laughs> you told oh, well. me to say it. That was so a perfect I'm intro. Saying, I'll take it. Didn't you know? go full. <laughs> didn't go full words on there. This is a family program. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I contacted Joe and wanted to do a podcast because of some upcoming stuff that's going on in our life and uh, with my brother and you know he really inspires me and. Um, I'm just really happy to, to have him as my brother, and he's taught me a lot. Even though he uh, likes to make fun of me a lot, um, he means it with love. I, <laughs> I think. If you know Tanner and he makes fun of you, it means he likes you and he loves you. <laughs> exactly. Building character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, so what are those things, Gavin? So let's 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 jump into it. Why why do we have Tanner with us here today? So we have my brother with me because he's got an incredible story, and his story just keeps getting better. He um, keeps going through these crazy trials where he's got to, you know, really dig deep and keep the positivity, even though when it's not always on his side. So I wanted to bring him in and kind of talk to Tanner a little bit and kind of get in his head and understand what he's going through and where this upcoming event he has that he's going to crush and get it done. But um, he's, yeah, so I didn't really want to give away what he's doing yet. But he, okay. but he's going, so on the 23rd, he is going into uh, brain surgery. He um, has a tumor growing behind his right eye, and it's getting a little big, and the doctors need to get it out. And so... I figured I wanted to do this podcast with him just because it was. I just felt it was the perfect timing to do it, and I've always talked about wanting to do a podcast. And you know, when I go with my gut feeling, and when I my gut says to do it, I pull through and do it. So here we are, and I just wanted Tanner kind of give us a little background of what's kind of happened to you, you know, in the past um, since two thousand seven, kind of what happened. So in 2007, I was in a motorcycle accident, um, racing motocross. I was going up this hill, doing around 50 miles an hour, and I hit a hole with the back tire and the front tire, and it kind of kicked the bike a little sideways, and I went over the bars and landed on my head and 
it took the pressure and exploded my T6 vertebrae, which is about sternum level, straight behind, and then dislocated T7 and broke eight ribs. And so with that, that injury left me paralyzed and I had the long journey of physical therapy and whatnot to be able to walk with canes again because I was dead from the nipples down, couldn't move or fill anything. And then after, uh, it was probably six months before I could really start taking steps. But even then I wasn't able to control it. It was more spasms that I had learned to use to my advantage to be able to walk. So it was one of those things that they usually give you this baclofen to kill your spasms. And I learned to use my spasms to work for me instead of against me. And that's how I started walking was just harnessing the power of my muscles that was naturally there in order to take steps and walk. And so I've had that journey for the past 14 years, um, going to the gym in the mornings and just trying to stay moving because once I stop moving and stop going to the gym, it starts to go downhill fast. So keeping the body moving was kind of key for my whole ability to walk and, and move and not have stiff legs as much. Tanner's, uh, Tanner's being very modest. Let's, let's paint a picture here. So any of you know the Godfrey's or know Tanner, they are... <laughs> gas pedal to the floor and everything that they do <laughs> everything that they do tanner at this point in his life in high school was on his way to becoming pro am pro right yeah pro pro, uh, pro amateur and uh, probably would have been he probably over been. here right <laughs> this guy was fantastic so as he's racing of course this this is his motto in his life philosophy he's gave it everything he got got into this accident and as he mentioned Caused some injuries there, broke some bones, and it stopped him for a second. <laughs> for a second, I remember this in the hospital going and visiting you. Like immediately, you were saying, "I'm I'm gonna walk again," and doctors were like, uh, "I don't know if that's gonna be the case." But true Godfrey and Tanner fashion gave her hell, and like he said, with the limited mobility and ability that his body had truly found a way to walk again, which is fantastic and amazing. And, you know, he says through these past 14 years, although it stopped him for a brief moment, it didn't stop him at all. And it's just been fantastic, as Gavin has said, my, myself, just to watch Tanner, the inspiration that he's been as he's gone through this huge life-changing event, but still has not let it stop him. So it's amazing. <laughs> You're amazing, Tanner. <laughs> Yeah, not many people can do it, you know. Injuries like this happen and people want to give up. And honestly, like, it's pretty hard. Like, how, like, if you've gone through injuries, you understand the setback. You understand, like, the wanting to give up, the why me? Why does this happen to me out of ever in the world? But in reality, like, you can't say that because why not you, you know? Everyone's the same. Everyone has trials, but we have to, like, find that why and like why we push forward and I think Tanner's been a really really big you know believer in that of why does he push forward and so I've got some questions for Tanner I've kind of wanted to set base on and so 
Tanner, when you were in high school, what was some, like, stuff you were dealing with before your accident? Well, even just, I guess as far as, like, from a medical standpoint, I had anxiety and depression that I was taking medicine for, and, um... Which is surprising, because I've known you, and I've known you all this time, but uh, until we started talking about things, I never knew that about you, Tanner. Well, it was more like I just have these fits of anxiety that would hit me, and then I'd have, like, these little panic attack type things, and it was usually more so, I was always a homebody, and so, even, like, even now, I'll almost get these bits of, kind of, anxiety build up, and it's more... Right at sunset is when I'll get them sometimes, but... Interesting. I I don't know if it's just the time of night or what, but once it's dark, then I'm fine. But it's... So it's one of those things that that kind of always, always plagued me. But after I broke my back, I actually took myself off of all medication. And you think it would have been opposite. You think I would have been fine before and then gone to depression and anxiety medication after. But... I don't know what changed because, like, I was thinking maybe it was my physical exertion and being more physically active, but in hindsight, I was I was more physically active than I was, I guess I it never stopped, I guess. I've always been physically <laughs> active. Like, I was still yeah. going to the gym every day and grew up wrestling, and, like, I was very active all through high school, and then... After high school, I was running a couple times a week, run like three miles, and then go lift and riding and riding pedal bikes. I mean, I was I was always going, so I, I'm not sure what what clicked, but something just changed to where it's like, I don't need this anymore. Like, I I can do it with my, my own mind, controlling everything that I don't need medicine. Yeah, even though you weren't doing those things post-accident, you were still using your muscles 24 hours a day so although you weren't pedal biking the new movement that you were doing required a lot of effort so like you said that that energy never stopped don't even maybe even increased (laughs) yeah like it was i've always used to being like physically just exerting yourself to where you're tired but when i was fresh off breaking my back and going to therapy and stuff trying to just simply flex my quad or flex my hamstring to move my leg I would do that and I wouldn't feel physically tired but mentally I was drained after therapy just because it took so much mental focus and kind of just it just would take it out of me mentally not like in a bad way, but you're just exhausted from simply trying to flex a muscle that wouldn't flex. Yeah, mental exhaustion. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of neuroscience. There's there's a lot of science behind that and what actually goes into moving a muscle. Most of the time, a healthy individual doesn't think about that because that process just automatically happens years after years. We don't even have to think about it, but when we do have to think about these movements, when that information highway gets broken up then it causes a lot more thinking (laughs) requires a lot more energy (laughs) yeah i think people don't really understand until like they've either been through an injury or they've seen someone go through a gnarly injury that you know everything we do on the daily is take it for granted because 
it's what we do on a daily, but when it's taken away, you don't, you kind of realize like, wow, this is amazing what I can do. And I think Tanner's injury and all that stuff's really, really like humbled me so much because I, I don't want to take life for granted and I, I know it's precious. And so I, I think like every day to just be, do what you can every day because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I got, I got another question for Tanner. Um, so Tanner, before your injury, what were like your goals? Like, what did you want to do with your life that, you know, you're 18 years old and you're set out to the big world after you graduate? What was your goals of what you wanted to accomplish? Just to race motorcycles. <laughs> That's all I want to do is ride motorcycles. And I, didn't have any big aspirations. I mean, obviously everybody wants to get really good at racing, but I just, I loved riding my motorcycle and like I just, just brought me happiness. And, and even, even to kind of fall back on that last little bit that you said with the, when you said that kind of, you don't realize you take things for granted when, until something happens to you, it's no different than anything in life. Like if everything was just good, we would never appreciate it. Like we don't appreciate the good unless we have bad times. And you always ask, why do bad things have to happen? And it's like, well, that's kind of a cycle of life. If everything was always good, then we would complain about something else. Like we would, we'd make something up to complain about. So without those bad times, you would never appreciate the good times and you never have that, that gratitude. Like gratitude is, is one of the best things that a person can have and just being thankful for what you do have. Because once you put that, that kind of energy out of just being thankful for things, then things start to change. And yeah, that's, that's kind of, I just want to follow up on that. But it's true though, because like, even with, you know, you breaking your back, it was a way big eye-opener for me even though I was young at the time you know 15 I didn't really understand what was going on but it was it was really emotional to see you know that happen to you because you did love to do everything and every time like my memory of when we were younger you always wanted to go ride you always wanted to just be active ride your bike and, you know, that was taken away with you from you um, for a short time. You know, you've gotten back on the bike. You've ridden um, here and there. And, you know, it's it's not the same where you can, you know, do 70 miles an hour through the whoops. But you've had to, you know, change the way your thought process was. And I got my other question to you is... Before we, we jump forward, though, Tanner, take us to that moment. Take us post-accident right this has been your your life goal and your ambition when did it set into you that that was not going to be in your future and how did you feel when you realized that I think the whole thing with like the whole process of breaking my back probably it was probably about two weeks into it when I had to order my own wheelchair that that's when it really hit me and I I got the measurements and everything with the guys and they were showing me all the different options and and then once I once I'd ordered it I just went back to my room and started crying and I called my mom and it was just like this is when it was that's when it hit home like shit this sucks but 
it it also like that's when it truly hit but i also always knew that i would walk again and i would live life again like it was it was i guess i didn't know if i'd be able to ride but i knew i'd still be able to live and i think that's one thing that people get screwed up is when something happens they think oh no i can't do what i love to do anymore life is over it's like well you just adapt and do something different or figure out a different way to do it like we after um i broke my back the neighborhood and friends and my family changed our garage into a room for me in three weeks they framed it out put bathroom shower i mean it was we didn't have a wheelchair accessible room in the house and so they turned this into it and it worked out awesome for me but we were pulling down the brick on the outside of the house because we were gonna add a garage on to the side and it was making me so mad that I couldn't help and do anything that I was in my wheelchair and I'd, I'd get a pick and I'd go up to the house and I was hitting brick with a pick and it'd start it'd come down and hit my legs so I got a sled and put it over my legs and then I'd start hitting it so it hit the sled <laughs> and then not hit my legs and so I I kept finding ways to help and one day I got so um adventurous as to climb try to climb a ladder to where I could barely stand up with the like just grabbing the ladder like my legs weren't holding me up much but I pulled myself up onto the tried to get up to one step and my legs freaked out and came up and sucked inside of the ladder. So then I was basically had my shins sitting on the metal ladder <laughs> and my arms holding me up. And then my mom came out and she was trying to get me down. And right then my buddies Todd and Brent pulled up and they ran up and pulled me off the ladder. But <laughs> it was one of those things. I, I wasn't going to stop living just because I couldn't do something. I was going to find a way to do it and, and do it. And that's kind of, it's an amazing, it's amazing mindset to have. They they often say, right, we're not given trials or burdens or hard things in life that we can't bear. And for me, that's a testament of Tanner right there, having that mindset and being able to carry him through where not many would have been able to do that. It's just fascinating. So to touch base on that, like, so I don't think people – understand like the daily trials of what you have to go through of simple as going the bathroom the simplicity of going to the grocery store like stuff how how is that for you so there's kind of it's kind of a double-edged sword with walking like I walk so slow now that it takes me forever to go places whereas in a wheelchair you can flip and haul and I actually broke my foot a couple months ago and I was in a wheelchair for like two, uh, probably two to three, three to four weeks really before I could start putting pressure on it and kind of walking. And um, my wife, Courtney, she wasn't used to me moving fast. So when I was in the wheelchair, I would come flying up on her and she's like, whoa, stop. You're freaking me out. Like I'm not used to you moving so fast. And so like in the wheelchair, you can actually you can cover a lot of ground like walking I am very limited on how far I can go just because it takes me literally forever to go but I can I can get there but like I can stand up and do things like so there's there's the good and the bad about it but I 
like when I have to take a leak, my legs start stiffening up and it gets real hard to walk. And I, it's like I'm go time trying to find a a bathroom fast because my bladder doesn't doesn't work very well anymore. So I it, everything turns into where's the bathroom whenever I go somewhere just to find it and locate it and make sure that I can get there at a decent time and whatnot. But those that know you and, and kind of have seen you under understand this walking process for those that will be listening to this you have don't don't know you haven't seen this um just a simple 10 10 feet how long do you think it takes you to walk 10 feet uh, it probably like a second to step. just depends on how <laughs> just depends on how fast these babies are moving <laughs> and and to help tanner and assist uh, he's he's got this nickname as well that he's known by two canes. So <laughs> Tanner's legs, while they can't support and move normally, uh, they are reduced in their ability. He's got some mobility and stabilizers, his two canes to help him. So these that 10 feet that would probably take Gavin or I, like not even a second, maybe yeah. a second, uh, takes Tanner now a second each step, not only involving just his legs to trying to get those to move. And we talked about that mental process, right? He's got to put a little bit more energy and effort into moving those legs. But now it's a coordinated movement between his arms and plus your core, right? You lost a lot of that core yeah. strength. I only had my top abs and then I lost everything I only have below top that. abs too. I don't, don't have anything below. <laughs> but it... It was, it made it a lot harder to move and then I kind of swing my legs and drag my toes and so I go through shoes really fast because I just drag my toes and so, but yeah, it's just, it's just more, um, I don't know, just strange. being stubborn and going <laughs> yeah. is what it is. <laughs> Mentioning the wheelchair, I was going to say that's a... Uh, that's Tanner's <laughs> determination to not use that wheelchair to, and, and to walk. It's his preferred method. Even though he can move around a lot faster, um, walking is what Tanner chooses to do and wants to do to not let this slow him down or confine him to one mode of transportation. And, and I think, too, like, I think I always looked at wheelchair as kind of defeat. And that I was I was losing the battle, but as I've gotten older and wiser, I guess is it's like. When did you get wiser? I don't know. I thought I did. But <laughs> I I look at it as a fa- as a way of it's it's just a way to move around and and live life in a better way as far as being able to move faster or go places. Like once I broke my foot, I actually went to the mall with. Courtney and that was the first time I don't think I've been to the mall since I broke my like before I broke my back so it's been at least 15 16 years before I even since I've been to the mall but since I had the wheelchair I was like we might as well go to the mall and I I'd never gone in there because it's like a I don't care for the mall and b I don't want to go in there and try to walk around and then have to worry about the bathroom and so basically I let my life revolve around if I could walk into it and do something and there's some things that just, I can do it, but it's going to take me forever and it's going to be a pain. So I've kind of come to the terms that the wheelchair, while it's not ideal, it definitely has its purpose. And so that's where my mindset's kind of shifted is if it allows me to live life 
on a more fuller type thing, then I'm, I'm going to do it. And I kind of, I guess it's kind of dropping my pride a little bit to, to do it. Like I still walk as much as I can, but it just comes to a point where you got to accept the fact that the wheelchair allows you to live life and go do things those or go do things with those that you love and and want to spend more time with like you've got more activities that you can do with them because of it so instead of looking at it as a failure is more of just an extension of life yeah and, and giving new meaning because definitely i understand what you're saying right and and as gavin's mentioned people who've probably been in a similar situation, maybe have had to have been confined to a wheelchair, know this as well. Sometimes people give up and that's maybe where you identified this wheelchair as, as I'm not going to be able to enjoy life. I'm not going to be able to do the things that I want. And here you've been able to do all of those things. And now the wheelchair is not holding you back or going to set you back in any way. So you mentioned mindset shift. That's amazing. We always got to have that growth mindset and always be able to look at things differently as we get older and wiser. And it's it's neat to see that somebody as stubborn as Tanner <laughs> can change a mindset on something as determined as he was not ever going to use as a wheelchair uh, to where now he has seen that it's added some benefit to his life. He was able to go to the mall with his wife, Courtney, and to enjoy that experience with her. So awesome. Again, another awesome life loss. You, you'll get these from Tanner. Like literally everything he says, there is like a life, <laughs> life lesson in with each of those. <laughs> One cool memory I had was, you know, I, I feel like for me, like I struggle in the mornings, you know, mornings are hard to, you know, get up and kind of, you know, get going for the day at least at the beginning, depending on how late you go to bed or whatever. But for me, when I was, when Tanner broke his back, I literally dropped out of school for three and a half months. Pretty much hung out with Tanner every day, play video games, whatever. Um, I did my home school. <laughs> before, it cool. before it was before cool, I were doing it today. <laughs> but Tanner and I hung out all the time, you know. I helped him with a lot of stuff he was going through. He helped me. And... You know, in the mornings, I'd wake up and go out to the kitchen, and Tanner would be sitting there. He would be on his phone playing a motivational, you know, whatever it was, video in the mornings. So, Tanner, what, what's, like, your morning routine? How do, you, how do you get yourself out of bed? Now, Courtney gets me out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> no... I I just got into habits and um, kind of one thing you have to do. Our morning consists of waking up at about four forty-five, five o'clock, and getting ready, going to the gym for about an hour, hour and a half, and just kind of getting the blood moving and the body going. And it's hard to do at first, but once the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And it's not that it ever becomes super easy, but it just start the consistency starts to have you wanting to go to the gym and, and then you miss a day and all of a sudden you feel off like something's not right. So it's, I guess, getting into that routine and it sucks starting it. And honestly, it sucks sometimes while you're in the routine. But oh yes, once you get to the gym or just get moving, 
Like you don't have to go to the gym. Just do something physical in the morning. Is even if it's out, going out and walking around, like something something as simple as that will start to affect your mental state a lot more than you realize. Just because you're starting the day off with a a win, basically, and and kind of in the right direction. At least if you want to go that direction, that's it's the right way to go because your day is a lot different after you have done something physical and then you're actually less tired. Like I find myself more tired on days that I sleep in than days that I wake up early. Obviously when nighttime comes and I, I get real tired as soon as I sit down or old man, (laughs) (laughs) old man now, Tanner, (laughs) but yeah, it's just, you just have to find something that gets you going. And I know that if I lay there in bed, then when 6.30 rolls around when I would have been done with the gym, that I will be mad at myself for sleeping in and not going because now my legs are t- going to be tight and then I, your mental state's already going to be struggling from the fact that you didn't go. So now you're going to be feeling like you just failed already and so it kind of turns your day in a different direction than it could have been had you been going or had you gone and done something. So that's... That's kind of how things go for me. So for me, I love riding too. I love riding motorcycles, mountain bikes, and I feel like that's my getaway out of just purely being in the moment, have nothing to worry about my entire life. I can just focus on the now and ride. So Tanner, since motorcycling and the stuff you love to do was kind of taken away from you, how do you cope with like how do you cope with like your getaway like I call it my therapist because yeah. I love to go you know every time I ride and hold the throttle open it's cleansing my soul I feel personally that kind of clears your head and kind of takes all because you can't be thinking about your problems while you're riding or else you're going to crash so that was kind of the nice thing um, I don't know I enjoy riding the razors but I don't do that very often or as much as I like, but like, I don't know, I've just learned to be able to change my mindset pretty much however I want, whether it's shooting my bow or just being with friends or Courtney or family. I mean, it kind of comes down to a mindset that all you have to do is kind of change your perspective and then you'll change your outlook, I guess on life and that's a big thing that I've always tried to tell people is like if you're if you're sad about life you're not looking at it right like you we're always going to have those things that we should we can feel bad for ourselves like these excuses but when you look at it in the big picture or you change your perspective to like instead of looking at it well this sucks because I don't have this change it to this is like I'm lucky because I have this and whether you just broke your back and you no longer have the use of your legs, at least I have the use of my arms and my hands. Like I, I'm very fortunate for the fact that I've still got the ability to use my hands and my arms like I do. And, and I rely on them quite heavily to move around and get around to climb into tractors. Like that's one of the reasons why I go to the gym is to stay in shape so that I can do what I want to do because I have had to adapt to where... 
I can't climb up stuff with my legs, so I've got to figure out how to get it up with my arm, like get up on detractors with my arms and pull myself in or walk with my canes and then those take the burden off my legs a little bit, but it's all about kind of your perspective on life, honestly. And so that's just one way of, of looking at it is just being thankful for what you do have, your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your ability to taste. I mean, the ability to see people. I mean, there's so many people that have something that other that someone else wishes they did have and being doing therapy and and being in the position I am I've seen a lot of people that don't have their hands or their arms and and you don't realize how lucky you truly are until you see somebody who's in a worse position than you and it's sad that it takes something like that to see to true to have gratitude for things but we're humans and that's what humans do is they live in the now and they they kind of and that's what society is is kind of breeding you to think is that you have to be concerned about what you don't have instead of what you do have like they don't want you to be thankful for the little things in life they want you to worry about not having the latest and greatest gadgets and um that kind of breeds us uh a person to be selfish and more what's in it for me type stuff and when you take the step back and you're thankful for things it starts to breed selflessness and you start looking for for the beauty in life and what you have to be thankful for and and even how you could help other people in a in a sense and that's what life is truly about is just being able to like one of the greatest things that I have and can receive is a smile like I I love seeing people smile and the little bit of speaking that I've done people come up to me and just are crying and so happy and saying I helped them it's like there's no payment greater than that knowing that you can help somebody through their trials and it's just it yeah it's just an awesome feeling because you're truly giving you know people your experience in a way of what you've been through and like your strength of showing them that they can be strong too in their own lives. And, you know, maybe their problems aren't as complex as what they think. And like, I've heard a saying called if, you know, you went to a fire or whatever and everybody threw their problems in and you threw your problems in, you probably would take yours back because a lot of people have a lot worse problems than you do. And, you know, it just goes back to, you know, gratitude for what you do have and um and I think you know the doctors you know they told you never walk again you know they told you all this stuff and you've proved them wrong and um what's some other things you have proved wrong to people that you uh no one else has ever done in the world maybe you set some records <laughs> well, you, have, you have a few of those <laughs> yeah I've I've set three records in um, side-by-side. So once I couldn't ride dirt bikes as like I wanted to anymore, then I kind of gravitated towards four wheels and got into the side-by-side stuff, which was a lot of fun because now I could have somebody sitting next to me to experience all those oh-shit moments. And this was like kind of a growing, emerged like area in power sports, right? Like it seemed like around the time Tanner jumped into this, 
not many people were out there on the side-by-sides and, and doing some of the things that you're going to tell us that you had done. Well, they were fairly new. Like, I think Yamaha came out with their side-by-side, the Rhino, in 2006, I think. And it that's basically around that time when it really started to be born and kind of get legs. And then... Um, I remember I, those Rhinos. They were like hunting kind of like yeah, not necessarily more, sport no they're right? more utility yeah more utility style. then the sport came <laughs> yeah and then um with that we I started riding those and driving with a stick and um me and my grandpa made that my first driving stick was out of a piece of a pop-up tent and a water bottle and duct tape <laughs> and the water bottle a was pop-up tent like tent poles yeah tent poles. <laughs> what? and we took it and cut the water bottle in half and then duct taped the end of the pole and then put the water bottle on it and then duct taped around the water bottle so i had a bigger surface area to hit and so that was where sketchiness was born was the water bottle pedal side down or in your hand it was pedal side down. Okay. So we just yeah. bent the pole so that it was just like a handle <laughs> in my hand. Okay. But yeah, we started riding those and then they just progressively as the machines got faster and faster and and bigger, I had an opportunity to go do a jump down in Mesquite and um, I did a record jump of 105 feet down there and... Which was big at the time. World record. Yeah. First was, time anybody yeah. attempted one of those big jumps. Yeah, it was like the first really big jump that anyone's done. And you didn't just go down there. Like you jumped over, what was it, historic Reno or something? No, like, no, it was just the Eureka sign. Eureka sign, there we go, yeah. Down it was a big event. Like so, Tanner, Tanner doesn't add these details. It was a big event, world record setting event. Tanner's down there, fireworks show, a whole shebang. Yeah, and it was... It was um, it was fun, but it was as fast as the thing could go on the train. It was kind of in the sandy stuff, but yeah, so I did that in 13 and it was down in Mesquite, Nevada, and that's where I broke my back. So it's kind of ironic to do the stuff down there. Wow. And then the second one was uh, my uncle Greg asked me if I wanted to to do a record jump up at the Evil Knievel days in Butte, Montana. And I was like, well, I'll think about it. And then the next day, Evil Knievel's daughter texted me and she was like, hey, we're so excited for you to come up and jump. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess I'm going up to jump. <laughs> and so we went up there. And How much prep time, though? Because this is the pe- people don't understand. The prep- Before every record Tanner did, there was literally a week of prep time. Like, we'd even, what did you do, hit the jump like two days before? The massive jump that the bus jump in Nitro Circus? No, that wasn't even for that one. Oh, yeah, that was. That was for the... So I got my car. I ended up putting this HCR suspension on it, and I got the car back Monday, and I was supposed to jump, well, the Razor back on Monday, and that was with the Polaris Razor I'd graduated to, and I jumped this bus jump that they did in Nitro Circus and the truck jump, and I jumped like 160 feet and I landed really nose heavy but I didn't crash and so we're like well I guess we're good enough to go up there and <laughs> not crash but it, and I followed Gavin off the jump too so it was 
it wasn't sketchy at all, but we, like I said, once we figured we were good at least for that, we're like, okay, well, let's go. Let's go up there. And <laughs> we got up there and we were supposed to get practice jumps on it. And this jump was built basically on Main Street in Butte in the city. And it was more for like the semi truck. Yeah, it was for the semi truck, and I was just a byproduct of going before. But so Greg was jumping too, and Greg, yeah, Greg was. was jumping a semi jump, and so <laughs> we were like, "Well, I I wanted to get some practice jumps in on Thursday, and I jump I would jump Friday, and or maybe it was Friday and Saturday, whatever, and they weren't shutting the street down, and it was supposed to be time to practice. So me and Gavin go down to the basically the street light which was like a little Bad mile no it was like a quarter mile if that half mile and we turned around and we start just going and there's cars on the road and they're like kind of just pulling out of places still and all of a sudden one of the security guys comes out and he's like whoa 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 what are you guys doing and so they shut that down <laughs> so you didn't get a jump so we didn't get a jump that day <laughs> so I got a jump like two hours before the the actual oh, jump and we did a handful of jumps and the furthest I jumped was 180 feet and I was like well I guess I'm just gonna have to pin it and pray for the best so I backed up all the way to the light and then just hammered down when it was going I ended up jumping 202 feet up there was awesome in, in so shorts, so in, shorts in a t-shirt <laughs> yeah shorts and a t-shirt a motorcycle helmet my driving stick people oh, when, when people usually do these record jumps they usually have a full um race suit they have a full race suit helmet everything they have whatever you can think of for safety wise Neck Tanner braces. literally like neck braces. Tanner literally had nothing. He had his shorts, his shoes on, a t-shirt, and then just a motorcycle helmet. And then he's driving it with a stick. Makes no sense. Like everyone out there setting records, you gotta set it with a cane, which doesn't happen. <laughs> so then after this jump you did, Tanner and Butte, everyone kind of was like, okay, two hundred two feet is you know, pretty far. Um, what's next? Well, then um, someone beat me and went 223 feet. And so I got another opportunity to go out and jump at with the Diesel Brothers. They did a tribute on Memorial Day to the... Um, veteran community and whatnot and the military and so I went out there I I talked to them and we're like yeah let's try it I guess such as everything in life is it okay <laughs> kind of got roped into that one too but we go out there and we're looking at Wendover because there's three sites that they're looking at and Wendover we get out there 75 degrees absolutely beautiful no wind so I go oh, this will be perfect and it's on the runway and or the tarmac and so a couple weeks goes by and I think it was about a month after that we're out there looking to do it 
and they're trying to build and it's the seventh wettest spring that they've had out there it rained the entire flipping time <laughs> i think it was like five inches they, like, it rains so much and they barely got the jump built in time for the um show to happen and i i had one practice jump and that was on sunday hold on, hold on. we gotta back up again we gotta back up okay so we go out there check out the site when the diesel brothers said yo tanner we want you to set a world record and we went out there to check the site and beautiful day as tanner said so they're like okay how long do we have to prep for this one and so Tanner ended up getting his razor from the Diesel Brothers, what, was it a week before? Well... A week and a half before. And well, they what came was out wrong with and the razor? <laughs> they'd, put a, they'd put a cage on it because they kind of did it up. They put a cage on it. They put the HCR suspension on it again and um, a seat in it and just tried to get it ready for the jump. And we're like, okay, and I hit this bus jump that we have again, and I about crashed. I kicked out to one side and came up on two wheels when I landed and about rolled it, and I was like, oh, my gosh. So then we start looking at things. I had a busted axle, and then it busted both hubs, and this is, I don't know how everything was broken, and then the transmission was having issues, so... <laughs> We got a new transmission on Thursday, and I was going to be jumping on Monday. And so, as we were deciding, as we were throwing the transmission, I decided, well, maybe I'll get my shocks revalved so that they're they're better. And so I called a buddy up. I was like, hey, do you know anyone that does shocks? And he said, well, I met this one guy, and I think he's pretty good. So I called this Matt up, and he had no idea what he was getting into. I took the shocks down to him. He revalved them and had them back to me the next day. And we threw the shocks on. I jumped off the loading dock and they felt good. And then we went out to Wendover to do the jump. <laughs> so the loading dock was my test. <laughs> Literally no testing at all. Oh my god! Like barely any testing. Cause it was, it was too wet after we'd gotten the shocks done and everything or I after I'd done the bus jumps the jumps on that the mother nature decided just to rain and we had so much water and it was so muddy that I couldn't do anything so we get out to Wendover and every time that it would clear up and stop raining and the wind would stop and just get nice as soon as we started motor it would rain and get windy again and so I had one test jump on Sunday, and I had a 15-mile-an-hour tailwind, and it, um, I jumped perfect. I jumped good. I landed at, like, 205 feet, I think, 204 feet, and I busted the front shock mount. And so we were going to pull it off of another machine to try to do it to get another jump in. And I was like, this, like, we know I've got to at least go this fast to clear the gap because the gap was built 10 feet further than it was going to be, and then that put the knuckle further. So I had a 180-foot <laughs> knuckle that I had to clear, and the jumps were 17 feet tall was a takeoff and 15 feet tall was a landing. And I hit it at 80 miles an hour, and I was like, well, I, at least I know 80 miles an hour puts me over the gap. 
And so we were kind of set to go until the next day. And, and on Monday, when it came my time to jump, we had a 30 mile an hour crosswind blowing from left to right. And I, as my moment came on live TV, I was sitting there and it's just windy and windy. And they're like, do a speed check run just to kind of give the audience something. So I took off down the runway and then um, slowed down and just went up to the top of the jump. But as I was hitting the brake, my driving stick missed the brake and went onto the top just to the post. And so I was pushing as hard as I could, but I couldn't, it wasn't slowing down. And so I rolled all the way to the top of the jump and then my front wheels rolled over and I about went over to down the other side, but I got it stopped and I flipped around and went back and was sitting there and my uncle was on the phone with the producer and the safety guy and he's like, we're just waiting to see because they'd canceled the jump basically saying, when we tell you to come back, just come back to the stage and we're going to say it's too windy. And right then the flag died, the, we had a flag waving on the f- face of the jump so that I could see and it died down just enough that it gave me a green light and so my uncle's like, go, go, go. And I was like, hit the jump or go to the stage he's like hit it it's yours so i close my visor and hammer down like halfway down the runway the flag picks up and is blowing straight sideways and i was i about pulled off like i lifted for a split second and then i just pushed down i was like i said i was gonna do it and i hope this roll cage holds up because i'd figured i was gonna roll and i hit it at about 85 miles an hour and i landed about as sideways as you want to land in a razor but we had the suspension set up so soft that it just land it it hit and then kind of bounced and i dropped my cane or my driving stick midair because i felt the back end coming around and i had two hands on the wheel and if i've got two hands on the wheel that's never a good sign because that means things are really getting western (laughs) you're ever driving with tanner and he does that you know to grab on you know to hold on (laughs) yeah and so that one i ended up jumping 247 feet but it was so landing sideways going 85 miles an hour jumping 247 feet that's insane the fact that you pulled that off because you didn't have gas to save you Usually when you go on a razor and, like, you're going to tip over, you give a gas and it'll usually straighten out. Tanner, with this situation, he didn't have that of being able to push the gas. So he strictly grabbed the steering wheel and just tried to steer as good as he could. So it was insane, like, gnarly. The jump was so big. That's crazy. And going back to the start of that jump, there's that split second, Tanner, that you had a decision to make. And, and of course, in... Tanner fashion, am I going to pull out of this jump or am I going to give it everything I've got? You decided to give it everything you got, fully anticipating your role in this bad boy. <laughs> You're coming down and it's not going to be good. Like, for those of us who don't understand, like, how how do you commit to that? How do you decide? Like, what? <laughs> it's a split decision, I'm sure, in your mind, but how do you override fear? You because I'm go. sure fear, fear would consume the average person in this side by side how did you overcome that fear and say nope gas down gas pinned we're going (laughs) well the first thing is i told my then girlfriend now wife i told courtney i said if i have a bad feeling or if i feel bad about it i'm not gonna do it well i didn't i never felt confident the whole time like i was (laughs) i was nervous as shit the whole time 
but I said I was going to do it, and it's one of those things, like, it came down to it, and you just, like, thinking is the worst thing, so if I would have known for sure that I was going, I would have, like, you just start playing games in your head, and and as soon as he gave me the green light, it was zero hesitation. I closed my visor and go. And it's like, I knew that I could clear the gap. I didn't know if I was going to land straight or how I was going to land, but I knew that I at least had a chance to land it. And so it's one of those things, overthinking is going to cripple you. And so it's like, you just have to go. Again, another, don't, don't think. Another huge <laughs> life lesson and philosophy there. The more you think about things, the more you let the fear set in, more likely you're not going to do whatever it is you say you're going to do or want to do. And yeah, you, you look at it even with like jumping off a cliff or jumping off a high dive. You look at kids and the longer they sit up there, the longer you sit up there, the least likely you are to jump. Like you're, you start thinking and thinking and thinking and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm not going to do this. But if you just get up, look, jump. Like with, obviously I'm not saying be an idiot and don't look at it and think about it, but don't, the longer you're up there and think the more you're going to overthink and the more likely you are to not do it. So you just, you just have to go. Use, use, use your mind in this, Use (laughs) judgment, (laughs) but don't use your mind. I mean, Tanner, in this situation, you knew you could do this, your machines and equipment, <laughs> as much prep time as you put into them, you knew that there was some way that they could handle it. And so you knew you were safe. You were not doing something that was completely reckless, like this event, of course, been planned and set up. And that and that's what you're saying, right? Yep. Make, make calculated decisions yeah. based on your calculated circumstances. Risks. Like, yeah. I've, like I, I might not look very calculated, but I think things through a lot. And I've, I looked at every outcome that I could have had and how I'd react to it. So it's like you have to almost play things out in your mind, but when it comes down to it, you just like you can only think so much before you just either go or you don't go. It's true. Cuz the longer you sit there, the scarier it's going to get. And I think if you I think like when you're sitting there, it's, you got a <clears throat> decision you have to make. If your decision is am I going to actually commit and do this or am I going to be like okay, like, I think I got this. No, like, you have to fully commit and, like, know that you're going to do it or else, like, when you don't fully commit, it's usually when you get hurt. Yeah. For me, at least. Yeah, if you don't go in all, like, go for it, fully committed, that's when you do start to have issues because you, it's that hesitation and that's what will get you hurt. Like, if you're going to hit or you're going to jump off the cliff and as soon as you go to jump, you hesitate and you don't run as like you slow down or you you don't jump as far as you should have got, jumped and you could hit something like that's when things go bad. So it's like if you're going to do something, jump, like do it. Don't sit there and think about it because that will be when you get hurt. You got to go all in. Plenty, plenty of viral videos of that exact scenario yeah. Tanner's described. Somebody tried to jump off or do something like that. Last second, put the brakes on. What do they end up doing? Tumbling down the hill, hurting themselves worse if they had just jumped into the body of water or rope swing, you know, whatever it may be. That's <laughs> so crazy. Like to think about all that was insane. The amount of prep to go into that jump to the amount of rainfall. I think there was like five inches of rainfall. Like it was like the most... Wendover's gone in forever. And the fact that, like, I was scared because um, 
I had to like pretty much I had to get the skid steer because there's a bunch of ruts in the lip because all this dirt was made out of clay. So like water with clay makes it mushy. And so there was ruts on the lip and I got on the skid steer and like flattened the lip before. So I was kind of nervous because if he did end up wrecking, it's kind of my fault. But <laughs> he didn't, and he did a perfect. And it was like just all everything that said, no, you're not doing this jump. Tanner, for Tanner. Tanner did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, just all the aspects. Like, no, this jump is not happening. Tanner, Tanner found a way and made it happen. And it's just, it's just like in his life situation, you know. It's not all perfect at all times. You know, it's it's up it's up to you to what you want to do with what you have in your life, and you know it's, that's your choice because it's your life. You got to live with everything you do, and yeah. So good job, Tanner. <laughs> but so, what what inspires you, Tanner? Like, what what makes you want to do all these things you're doing? What why do you like keep getting up in the morning to? to take on the life you live and, you know, make the best of it? Well, I think you have, like, I've got multiple reasons, and there's, I think it's good to have multiple reasons because when one reason isn't good enough, then you've got something else to fall back on. Um, like, it, a big thing is, is it just, you just have to do it. Like, I... Like, there's times where I'd, it would be so easy just to quit and, like, I'd just like, oh, my gosh, life would be so much easier if it was just, like, it just stopped. Like, even, like, there's times where you go in a dark place and you're like, man, life would just be easier if I was just gone. Like, because you start to feel like a burden on people and, and all this stuff and it adds up. And, and I think, I think a big thing that keeps me going is knowing that I have people looking towards me for motivation or inspiration or kind of just to see what I how I'll do it so that they can find a reason to keep going and like I said again it kind of comes down to the fact that once you make life bigger than yourself then you have more things to live for because like I'll, I'll be honest, like it sucks a lot of the time not being able to do things, but it is what it is. Like I, if I were to quit, then I'd be worse off than I am now by a long shot. And the only way that I'm going to get better is if I do things. Like everybody waits for these miracle cures and whatnot to fix their problems. It's like the only thing that's going to fix your problem is you. If you don't get up and move nothing's going to fix itself. Like you've got to take control of it. And if there is something that comes along and fixes paralysis, awesome. I'm going to be that much further ahead for when something does. But as of now, like I'm the one that's in charge of what I get back or what I do. And, and I, I, I pride myself on not taking the victim mentality on anything because I look at too many people that do that. And it just, I don't understand it because it's it's a cowardice way to go about things and you look at these people who have victim mentalities and they're never happy. They're usually pretty miserable and ornery people and I've always looked at myself and been like, is that the kind of person that I'd want to be around? And so I've, I've 
face myself a lot about just like that. Like happy people are more wanted in people's lives and you people want to be around you. So if you can pick yourself up and turn, you're going to pick others up. And then it's kind of a, kind of a um, waterfall effect where you can now bring happiness to other people. And if you can make them smile, then they could generate a smile from somebody else. Like it, it comes back around to being selfless. And, and I know I circle around to a couple main points, but those main points will change your life if you just start focusing that way. And, and I, so I, yeah, to answer your question, I, I do things in order to try to improve my life and in turn try to improve other people's lives because I know that people are looking to me because if I quit, then that kind of takes away hope for people and hope is really all some people have to hold on to and I, um, that's really one of the biggest reasons why I, I do what I do is just to show people that what they are capable of if they just try and don't give up. It, uh, it reminds me of the airplane. Uh, I don't know what you call it, but let's say you're in an airplane, you're crashing. The masks fall out from above. The instruction that they give you is you first need to put on your own mask. And as you're describing, Tanner, right, there's, there's a lot of things that you do for yourself, and, and that's fine. But in return, when you put your own mask on, when the airplane's going down, what you're able then to do is to, one, save yourself, but then to help others. And like you just described, that's, that's part of how you operate and how you run. You're doing things for yourself, which is fine. It's not selfish. Um, some people out there may be thinking, oh, you need to put others first. No, you actually have to put yourself first, like Tanner just described. So then in turn, you're better able to help other people out there. Um, one of the things I want to talk on, so um, mental health. Mental health is a big thing. You mentioned, right, it'd be easy to, to give in to these thoughts of despair, thoughts of uh, I would be just as fine with me not here. Um, I've got a bracelet on that says you make a difference as a constant reminder for myself to navigate out of these dark thoughts. Tell, tell us about a time Tanner where you had these dark thoughts and the, these thoughts crossed your mind and, and how you pulled yourself out of that. I think it's more common than people like to admit, like you can go through them daily. You can go through them weekly, monthly. I mean, it, they happen. I mean, just because you have these dark thoughts and it doesn't have to be suicide, it can just be like, you don't mean anything or these kind of things. Like those are normal. Like that's, there's some people that don't experience them, but most people experience these thoughts and it's normal. It doesn't make you weird to have these thoughts. You can, um, you can overcome them though. You just have to be able to think of another reason of why of of why you are where you are in life or why you how you can help people still like there's I when I broke my back well not even when I broke my back but breaking my back I felt like I lost what a man was supposed to be as far as like helping other people with uh, physical labor and, and stuff like that and it 
it really, it really, I really struggled with it for a long time. And even to the point that I never thought that I'd be married because I just didn't feel like I was good enough. I would be a good enough man for a, to have a wife. Like I, I couldn't do so many things that a, a man is supposed to do. And in my interpretation of what they're supposed to do. And so once I met Courtney and saw that she loved me for who I was and it really kind of changed my view to where now I'm married and she, like she, she didn't care about if I could walk or if I could go do all these things. Like she loved me for who I am. And which bless you, Courtney, because <laughs> it takes a lot to love Tanner yeah, as I'm an ass, <laughs> but she, she showed me a new light. And I think that, um, we start playing these games in our head to where we don't think we're good enough for, for people or for society and, and where other people would say, why, how would you ever think that? Like, look at what you've done. It's like, no, it doesn't matter. It's what I think. And, and that's how I thought. And, people ask Courtney, like, so did you, did you guys date before his accident? And she's like, no, we met after his accident. And they're just kind of like, some people kind of like, oh, really? Like kind of in shock that, that you could almost, that somebody could fall in love, I guess, with somebody injured or, cause it's not normal. And so like, she has, like, she's an absolute saint for all she has to do, like taking out taking my guns to the truck and loading, <laughs> loading my stuff. But she uh, took she, over my job. Yeah, <laughs> she, she has to do a lot of stuff that I normally would like normally would be what I consider the guy's duty. Like that's what a guy's supposed to do. And so it still pisses me off that I can't do this stuff, but she doesn't say one word because she just does it. And it's, it really has changed my life. And the fact that, like it, I realized that I could be loved for who I was and not what I wasn't, I guess. And that's the, I think that's a big thing that you need to realize is, is we all have our faults and our faults or our weaknesses that we think make us unlovable could be the reason why somebody loves us and and the big reason why I think she married me is because I got front row parking with the handicap pass. <laughs> she, she didn't want to take the long walk. Yeah, <laughs> but the joke was on her when my grandpa's pass expired and then we didn't have one. <laughs> that's that's really strong, Tanner, um, describing that. You're, you're exactly right. I think it's still a little bit taboo to talk about these things. But everybody has these thoughts. We all have these thoughts daily, guaranteed. Um, But the way that you're able to shed these off and to focus on a new mindset and, and again, new new meaning, new definitions of, of life, of love, this awesome relationship that you have with Courtney that is a message of hope for those out there. If you're, you're in the, that spot or one of those spots right now, I mean, Tanner's here telling us as a, as a testament that he's been there and now he's on the other side of that. So keep going, talk about these things, share them. You'd be surprised that there are feelings we all feel. And as Tanner shows, things do get better. That's a, that's a wonderful message. 
Yeah, <clears throat> something to touch base on that. Um, I think when you understand that everyone has problems, the matrix of reality isn't actually reality because one person says that one way is a cool way. I think we're so wrapped up within people that we have to live this ideal image of other people's lives. But in reality, you got to live the ideal image of your life. You know, whatever comes your way, you have to, you know, adapt. You have to, you know, whatever, like, you have to keep going. You have to stay, like, like what Joe said, like, you have to take care of yourself first. Because once you take care of yourself, you then can start helping other people go through what what you went through. And I, and I think that's what life is, you know. I think we're dealt all these trials in our life because our trials become strengths for other people because we've gone through the trials that then we can help people get through either the same trial or different trials in our life. And I think that's what Tanner's shown. You know, he's adapted to a situation and he has let us stop him. You know, it's not 100% recovery, but he is pushing as hard as he can, you know, making the best out of his life. And I think that's awesome. Well, while it's not 100% recovery, Tanner, would you have imagined, let's let's go back, you're post-surgery, you've ordered your wheelchair, you're like, my life is not going to be what I thought it was going to be. Having the perspective now, would you have imagined you're at where you're at right now? Yeah, I would have thought I'd been walking faster. <laughs> <laughs> well, have your have your expectations been exceeded? Obviously, you're you're a goal setter. You're you're you always strive for the best and always want the best. But is this what you pictured or thought could ever have happened because of this accident? <laughs> I honestly thought that I'd be walking again. Like I had no doubt in my mind. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was going to do it. And and even now, like I'm I'm probably in the worst shape since I broke my back, like since the beginning of the whole process. And it's just because I got lazy and like I'd, I'd have these times where I was about to break through on some things and then I just mentally shut down and I'd just be like, I, I'm, I'm done. I need a break from therapy or whatnot. But like even with that, like, I will gladly own the fact that those were all my doings. Like I, I won't ever let myself become a victim. Like, well, this isn't fair because of this or that. Like when I broke my foot, that really set me back too. And so that's kind of what's brought me down to this current level is my foot. When it was jacked up, I wasn't unable to do the stairs. And even now it still is jacked up to where it kind of hurts to do the stairs, but that's all on my doing. Like I'm, I'm never going to say why me for these kind of things because nothing good ever comes from why me. And I, I hate the victim mentality. And so I will never, I will never give that any energy. I will never become a victim of my circumstances because I am the one that's in control of my circumstances. They might be shitty circumstances, but I will control on how I react to them because at the end of the day, all we can do is control our action or how we react to something or how we act on something we can't control the outside but we can always control our mindset and while our mind is hard to control at times it truly is the first and last thing for all of these processes or trials or anything that we go to how you decide you're going to feel is how you're going to feel and that's going to 
be amplified throughout your entire process of your physicality and everything else. Because if you're not, if you if you give up in your mind, then everything else is going down the toilet. And and like the mind, like yeah, I just I will not be a victim, and I will. I think the first thing is taking accountability for all of your actions and even things that happen to you because once you can take accountability, then you can figure out how to fix it. Once you become a victim, then you're going to look at things of why did that or how is this happening to me? Like, why is this happening? What have I done? Like your whole mindset starts to change in that way. So like you can either go up the route of figuring out what you've got to change and how you're going to overcome something or you can go down the route of why me why me and become just a weak-minded person so the trials never end you know we keep on pushing through our lives and stuff happens that is on you know you can't you can't really plan because it's just life you know crazy times happen so this upcoming on Thursday, Tanner, what what is going down on Thursday and you know So for the past so today is December twenty first and on in the middle of September I started getting a headache just right behind my eye on my right side and I just thought it was something due to my vision I thought my right eye was just going bad so it was starting to strain my eye and cause me a headache on that side and then fast forward to the end of October I was taking four ibuprofen every six hours on the dock because if I went over the time without taking them then my head would just start throbbing and it would uh, take about an hour and a half for that ibuprofen to kick back in I went in and got an MRI done and they found a growth behind my eye and that um, shot me into going to see a specialist, a neuro and eye specialist and they wanted more testing so I went and got another MRI and CAT scan two weeks after the first one and in that two week span it had grown four millimeters and had now grown into my brain cavity and eaten the bone behind my eye socket and this started the chain reaction of okay well we need to get a biopsy to see if it's cancerous and then once they looked at the x-rays more or the mri more they saw that it was into the brain cavity they're like we can't do a biopsy because we run the risk of hitting a vein or hitting your brain and so now we've got to get the neurosurgeon and an eye surgeon to go in and remove it together. And so um, on the 23rd, in two days, I go in and have one doctor go through my eyelid to clean out behind my eye all the tumor he can. And then the neurosurgeon's going to cut me along my hairline, basically pull my scalp back a little bit and then remove some of my skull, go underneath my brain, and clean out all he can without damaging things. And then once they get the tumor removed, they're gonna uh, put a titanium plate behind, or in front of my brain, behind my eye, that'll be like my eye socket now. And then 
once they get all that done, then they'll throw the skull back on and uh, throw a plate on top of it. But it's it's been a very strange time for it because, I mean, you always have questions of what, of what if. And so, like, I know that I'm going to be good. Like, I, I trust the surgeon's abilities. I know that they're capable of this surgery and the technology that we have. Like, there's no better time to have this happen. But you always have these things in the back of your head. Like, what if this was my last couple days alive? Like, what? Like, it, it starts to make you realize what's important in your life and and how you spend your time. And and it you kind of go numb to things. And I... I've just been trying to spend it with family and friends and and just people that I I love and it's I know that I'm gonna be good though, but like I said, you it kind of is a big eye opener to where it's like I could be gone in two days, like what what will be left? Like what so you start you just it puts life in a different perspective and you see what's really important and whatnot, but I I know that the surgeons are going to do what they do best and that's their job and they um the U of U has really a very spectacular surgeon group actually so they're going to go in there they're going to clean it up and then once they get me back together they're going to send the tumor over to pathology and they'll see if it's cancerous or not and and that's a bridge that will cross and if it is cancerous, I'll go down that route and we're all hoping that it's not. But like, if it is, we've got the Huntsman's, um, center, which is one of the world renowned cancer institutes. So I, I'm very lucky to have, to be where I am in this, in this process. And like I said, there's no better time to have a tumor than right now, just because technology is the best it's ever been and the equipment and it's like I I feel very fortunate with that but it definitely opened your eyes when you start wondering those kind of things but I've been I've been very lucky to have so many people just reaching out to me and and just praying for me and all this stuff like miracles do happen a lot and I do like you can't deny that there's a power of a higher being, whether you believe it's God or whatever you think it is, like miracles happen. And, and I don't doubt, like, I don't feel like my life is done. Like I think that I still have a lot left to do and this will just give me another chance to show people of what they can do when they try I, for some reason, I like to take on challenges, and some challenges aren't like this. I could I could sit here and say why me, why me, and in my mind, I'd like well, if it's gonna happen to anybody in my family or any of my friends, like I'd rather it be me because I know that I can overcome obstacles, and I know that I've kind of been bred for these kind of things of having your back against the wall and having to come out swinging and I'm confident in my ability to 
overcome adversity, I guess. Another another example of just that strong mindset and wonderful personality that Tanner has. Man, this is this is deep. This is, uh, I mean, serious stuff, and not many people can describe what is going to be happening in the next couple of days as Tanner is, as, as calmly as he is, and as confident, as hopeful, and as optimistic as, as Tanner is. And we're all as hopeful, as optimistic as Tanner. He mentioned uh, higher power, higher being here, and and definitely where you put that energy, uh, there is in some sense a way of its manifestation as well. And so we have those positive thoughts. No things are going to happen. No Tanner's journey in life um, isn't over. But the way that he is approaching this, again, is is just an amazing Tanner way and Tanner mindset of always being optimistic, always being full of hope. Uh, and in trusting in those things that are around us too, right? Focusing a little bit on the spiritual realm. But here we have modern technology. We have science. We have doctors who, like Tanner saying, are super advanced right now. And to be able and to trust in their abilities to perform this surgery where Tanner's placing his trust is phenomenal. Many people do not have that strength, and that's just amazing. Yeah, I think another thing too, like even with the whole thing, it's like, People ask, like, in the last ones, like, people will just say, are you afraid? And it's like, hell yeah, I'm afraid. Like, why wouldn't you be afraid? But then if you let fear in, then that's when it comes again that you're going to start running those those thoughts through your mind. And, and what you give energy to, it kind of comes to fruition. It's kind of like when you get in the car and you've got a song stuck in your head, turn the radio on, and all of a sudden that song turns on the radio. Like, you're like, what in the hell just happened? But, like... I truly believe that what you put out, you kind of get in return, and and I, I am nervous, but I'm I'm overriding that with confidence. Like I'm overriding it with I know that things are gonna be good, and, and if I mean it's kind of one of those things I will be done. Like if I if it's my time, it's my time. But prayers and miracles don't work unless you're willing to work. Like. Too many people say, well, I'm going to pray and I'm going to make like, and then God or somebody's going to make this happen. And they're too. And then they do nothing yeah, themselves. They, you have to be able, you have to be willing to work your ass off in order for miracles to happen. And, and I know that my road, once they get this tumor out, could either be not cancerous and I could just have to heal up from the wound or it could be cancerous and I could have a hell of a journey to fight. But there are so many examples of people that have already gone down these roads and overcome things. So instead of everybody looking at why me, why is this? It's like look for examples of people that have done what you've done or done something that's even worse than you and come out swinging and, and overcome it. Like there's there's so many examples of everything that you look for. And like I said, if you give it energy, it's going to start building up on that energy. And so that's why it's so much easier just to stay positive. And well, it's not easier. It's actually a lot harder. Like it, it would be a hell of a lot easier just to be a Debbie Downer and wonder why and play the victim card. And in society, it, it almost gets you more points these days to be a victim. Cause I, 
I swear you look at the news and it's who can be the biggest victim these days and they're the people that are going to get the most most time and most press it's like just get off your ass and work like don't be a victim we've got enough victims in this world don't add to it and then you can pull those people out of their slumps too like we're we're all in this world together and we've all we've all got our challenges and some people have more challenges than others but it just means that you can handle a lot more and I know I can handle a lot and I I know that I I'm more than capable of of overcoming this and I know it could be one hell of a fight but like I said I'm, I'm not going to go down with without a fight cuz it's it it's more than just me with this as well like I I know that people will will seek for me to be strong because they in turn will be strong too and so it kind of comes full circle to helping others out again and if I can help somebody see that they can overcome something just because I'm fighting then it's, it's worth the battle and like if I can keep somebody else on this earth from from going and and committing suicide it's it's worth it right there it's like all the trials are there for a reason like we might not understand why things happen but there is a a reason why things happen there's a lesson to be learned whether it's for us or for other people that are watching and if i can inspire people to not let fear run their lives and to take control and and don't don't pull the victim card like the, their, your life will be completely different once you change your mindset to I can do it instead of I can't do it. I completely agree. And to touch base on the, you know, the happiness and sad in our life, I feel and I believe that happiness and sadness are the same energy, just different outcomes. Um, when you feed happiness, you know, you've, you feel happy, you know, you feel energetic, you feel like you can accomplish whatever you want. But when you, but when you feed the sad side, it's such a faster, um, darker energy that it can take you down a road so fast that you don't even realize that you went down until you're there. And it's just like Tanner's saying, just, you just gotta like, if you're having a bad day, you're having, you know, bad luck with you know whatever is going on in your life you always have a choice of what you want to be like what your mind wants to think you know you always can be it's just the hardest thing to do because when you're down you don't want to be you don't it's hard to pull that happy thoughts into your head but if you can do it you know you're you're making such a powerful step forward in life and i feel like that's what tanner's done he's been able to keep the positivity because he knows if he goes into the deep, dark sadness, it's its not good, and it's not fun to be in. And then people around you tend to start going into that too, and, you know, you are a big influence of everyone around you, and, you know, just try to put that good into your life. And if you could take anything from this podcast, you know, it's life is so precious. We have one life, and you never know when your time is. It could be tomorrow. It could be in a couple of years. But every day you have to take that day and make it your best. And with Tanner Singh, it's 
brought a big, big, um, humble outlook in my life. And I, I feel like in his life too, you know, you never know when it's your last day. So live it up and be very grateful for what you have and not look at like what you don't have. That's awesome. How'd we do on your questions, Gav? We get through those? We did good. Very good. And this uh, has been a fantastic podcast, guys. Gav, thank you for that. Tanner, thank you for everything, man. Just (laughs) being the example that you are, um, helping me out in my life. I'm trying not to cry. (laughs) Everybody that you have helped out, Tanner, I know there's more coming. But uh, everything that you have done up to this point, um, I'm grateful for because I probably would not be here. Tanner didn't make fun of me about my weight. If Tanner didn't push me to improve myself, if Tanner didn't push me to pull myself out of those dark places because he's experienced those as well. Uh, and I know your journey's not done and I know you've still got work to do. Uh, for those listening, Gavin Tanner, how, how can they find you? Social media, Tanner Godfrey, Gavin Godfrey, any specific? Uh, you guys are Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, I just use Instagram, just Gav Godfrey. And then Tanner's Instagram. It's tgodfrey155. tgodfrey155. And I, I think the biggest takeaway is don't live your life in fear because you never know when it's going to be over. And a life lived in fear is a life not lived at all. True that, brother. Love that. Thank you, guys. Everyone out there, take care. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Share it with somebody. Uh, Sure, it can help everyone to hear this message. Take care until next time. Bye-bye.